Welcome to the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. When you're trying to get pregnant, whether naturally or with the help of a fertility doctor, weight loss can better your chances of success. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I help you do just that. Let's go. Hello, fabulous. I'm so happy to be here with you. Welcome to this episode of the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I love talking to you about all things loving weight loss and loving fertility. We can throw that in there too. And today we are talking about emotional eating. Why are we talking about emotional eating? Because emotional eating is overeating. And overeating is the only reason we ever gain weight. The only reason. And overeating is eating any time we are not hungry. Overeating is eating for any other reason than physical hunger. Our body knows when we're hungry and we give it what it needs and then it's satisfied. Overeating is the only reason we gain weight. And there's many reasons that we overeat and eating in an attempt to handle our emotions is one of them. And that's the one we're talking about today. We'll talk about other ones in other episodes. But with emotional eating, I really believe we come by this honestly. Emotional eating. And it develops as a coping mechanism, usually as a kid. Uh, Some of us, it may come later. There were other circumstances that led to things like if you were had no issue with your weight your whole life and then fertility issues came along and all of a sudden it it's the same mechanism but many of us have it ever since we were a kid and especially when we're talking about kids but also this this applies if we end up emotionally eating as an adult is we were never taught to handle our emotions most of us were not taught that now the reason we weren't taught that was because our parents our caregivers didn't know how to handle emotions It wasn't normalized for them or for us. So we ended up being taught that emotions are something to stop, that they're wrong, that we can't have them, which of course is a problem because we do have them. We're humans. Humans have emotions. I think maybe it's starting to change that we're recognizing that humans have emotions and we we have to deal with them. I think now people are coming around to this idea. Humans are emotional beings and that that's not a problem. And children have emotions because they are human beings. And of course, ideally, we want to teach them. We have to teach them most things, right? They come out just being themselves, being supremely human. It's so wonderful to to see and watch. So we have to teach them everything. And we have the opportunity to teach them about their emotions and we often miss the boat. Again, because we were never taught. We're not doing it on purpose. We don't know. As caregivers, we're tasked with socializing these little baby beings, these humans. And in the past, especially, that meant being as quiet and even keeled as possible. Docile, do what we're told. We were rewarded with smiles and praise for being compliant. 
And of course we were. Anything that makes our caregivers tired, tired life easier was seen as good. It's sort of, you could see how it naturally happens. This was not done with malice. It's so much easier not to deal with emotions, especially when we don't know how. (laughs) It's that perpetuating cycle. A disappointment or frustration was just too time-consuming or uncomfortable for our caregivers to deal with. Mostly, again, because they didn't know how. They weren't allowed to show their feelings, so they thought that that was the right way to do it. And so they passed that down. But the other reason that our caregivers didn't deal with emotions or teaching us how to deal with emotions is because emotions are so messy that they're just inherently messy. A tantrum and target is really unpleasant. So people can be embarrassed. Like they're thinking, oh, everyone's thinking I'm not a good parent. I don't have good kids. I'm doing it wrong. You know, all those things. So that's uncomfortable for the caregiver. It can impact other people's experience in the store. And learning to deal with emotions is a process. And so it might take some tantrums and target. So then the caregivers have to be able to deal with their uncomfortable emotions in order to teach the children how to deal with their uncomfortable emotions. And that just hasn't happened in the past. I'm sure there are some people who do a great job of that. But in my experience, most of us didn't have that as a model. Now, here's the thing with messiness. Lots of things are messy. (laughs) And we actually have to get good at those things. But we have evidence that we know how to do it because potty training is super messy, literally. And we allow children to learn the process, right? It's messy and time consuming, but at some point it's necessary. So hopefully we'll learn to do this with our kids. First of all, we need to do it with ourselves, And that's what we're going to be talking about here. But the only way to teach ourselves this is in a messy way. So I actually want us to embrace the messy. <laughs> That's one of, my, one of my goals in life here is to help people embrace the messy because all the best skills are learned through trial and error. And that's the messy thing. That's what looks messy because that means we won't do it perfectly. Certainly not in the beginning. And maybe many, many, many times it won't look perfect. It won't work out exactly. But we'll learn with each time. That's trial and error. We're trying it. And it doesn't work out. So what are we going to tweak? How are we going to do it differently? Traditional schools are not set up to teach us the messy way, right? They have exams and right and wrong answers and you can get an A. It feels so good. They tell you what to know. You learn it. You regurgitate it on the test. You get an A. Everybody's happy. Life is good. And that can work if you need to memorize something. Amazing. But it doesn't work for emotions, which is a big, huge part of life. And sometimes we're, we think that it should, that we should always be getting things right. We just learn it once or exposed to it once and we should be able to do it perfectly. It's just not how things work. It's a skill, like a sport. You know, you're, you, you're not good at it in the beginning and you get better and better. The, you practice and your muscles, the ones you need, get stronger and you get better and better. And that's what happens with dealing with emotions. Learning skills like that. I would argue the most important skills are learned this way. So when we were growing up and we had emotions, 
because of course we did. Most of us learned they were unacceptable. And so we had to figure out a way to deal with them appropriately for our caregivers. I I mean, so basically to turn them off in some way, right? Not show them, not act them out. And how did we do that? Many of us with food, especially as a kid, it was one of the only options, right? It was available. It was socially acceptable, mostly, unless it was too much. And then there was shame involved. And that's a whole other thing. It works for American consumerism, right? You want certain foods, you go buy it. Marketing is only too happy to have you want their item. Most people also do it some version of it. So it's an understandable, relatable thing. It just fits beautifully into our culture. But it's dysfunctional. <laughs> that's, that's the problem with it. It only works for the moment in the moment of eating. And that's because if we're having an emotion, something that's uncomfortable, when we eat, we are basically distracting ourselves in a very compelling way, right? Because you can anticipate it. It tastes good. You are chewing, you're smelling, you may be, you know, getting it or baking it or, you know, do, doing something. There's a, there's a lot of distracting, compelling thoughts going towards the food. And as you're eating it and you're chewing and you're swallowing, you get a physical sensation of fullness, a physical sensation in your mouth and in your stomach. And it dulls the physical sensation of the emotion because emotions have vibrations in the body. Did you notice that? They have, they literally like a sadness. If you experienced sadness and you were tuning into your body when you were feeling it, you would have physical sensations They may be a tingling or a heaviness or you can even assign like colors and movement to it. There is a physicality to it. And that physicality can be a little uncomfortable, but it's not usually excruciatingly painful. The fear of it is excruciatingly painful sometimes. But the actual feeling, if we're just talking about the sensations in our body, is not devastating, usually. It's handleable. It can, of course, feel scary and, like I said, be physically a little uncomfortable, but it can't kill you, which, of course, is the good news. But that physical sensation gets dulled by food. And so in that way, it sort of works, but it's only temporary. And then really soon after, we're back to the original uncomfortable feeling because we haven't dealt with the original uncomfortable feeling. And so it's still there. But then now we have the long-term consequence of the added fat because of the overeating that we've done. So it's a, it's a dysfunctional coping mechanism. I mean, a little functional, but not enough that we want to keep it, especially once we're aware of it. So the way to deal with emotions that doesn't increase our weight is to first be okay that we have feelings. So this is what we're going to do instead of eating. Now, I'm not expecting that 
this will happen overnight, but this is sort of the goal. This is the idea. When we have emotions, we want to do this instead of eat, okay? So the first thing we want to do is to be okay that we have emotions because we're human and humans have emotions. It's not changing anytime soon. So we're going to have no judgment about the fact that we have feelings. That's the first. Non-judgment. We have feelings. It's okay. Second, we're going to allow them to be there as a natural part of being a human. Allow them, not resist them, not deny them, not cover them up with food or alcohol or anything else. We're going to allow them to be there as a natural part of being human. It's the price of admission. And we do that with compassion. Oh, sweet pea, you're having an emotion because you're in this body on this earth. That's part of it. It's okay. So we're not judging the fact that we have them. And then we're having compassion for the fact that we're having them. And then the third piece is that we get curious about why the emotion is showing up. Sweet curiosity. Not with judging. We're not judging. We have compassion. And now we're curious, compassionately curious. Oh, what happened? What was so upsetting? And that will always point us in the direction of growth. Always. Because the emotion we could be having could be super justified. Someone didn't do something they said they would or, you know, some mistake happened. And then when you have the emotion you're, and you're getting curious with compassion, you're like, oh, this is what I need to do to fix the situation. Or you could notice that you're having a reaction that once you're curious seems really outsized for the actual events. Well, that's good to know too. You might be pointing to something deeper There may be some work to do there, but always getting curious and investigating your emotions will point you in the direction of growth. Yay, growth. So in this way, you can see that emotions are messengers. Messengers to our internal world, and we can learn a lot about ourselves. So as we get better at seeing emotions for what they are, natural, and messengers, we can start to untether emotions from eating. So now we we can start to see them as separate. The overeating is caused by the emotion. It's really caused by trying to deal with the emotion. Emotions are just there, but we have connected them. If we're an emotional eater, we have connected emotion with food. And we want to undo that. And that's going to be the way that we stop overeating or stop emotionally eating. This is the process. And as promised, it's messy. (laughs) But that's okay. It really is. How do we disconnect food from discomfort? We start with awareness. Okay, so now you have a framework for why you may emotionally eat, all the stuff we just talked about, you're coping with a, with a difficult emotion. And 
the awareness of this is really important because what we're doing is we're looking at the ancient habit that's refined over decades of coupling food and discomfort, of soothing with food. Okay? So first we just need to be aware of it. That's number one. We can't do anything if we aren't aware of it. So just understanding this piece and then noticing is so valid. That's huge. Huge. The key is noting when you've eaten, when you know you're not hungry. So this is where the hunger scale comes in. It's so helpful here. Sometimes it's confused. Like, did I eat because I'm hungry? Is that craving hunger? Like what's going on? When we are get good at using the hunger scale, and there's an episode in there for you, we'll link it in the show notes, the hunger scale. When you get really good at that, then you know when you're eating, when you're not hungry. It's clear to you that you're not hungry. And if you find yourself eating, you're overeating. And often it's this emotional eating piece. So that's the detective work you get to do. And it makes it so much easier when you're able to use the hunger scale. So when you've identified a time you're eating when you're not hungry, get curious and see if you can detect why. I'll give you a hint. There's an emotion there, usually an uncomfortable one. And just doing that alone is going to make a huge difference. That's sort of the step one is just identifying, oh, I'm eating and I'm not hungry. I wonder if there's an emotion here. And then investigate. Look, this is a multi-step process. This part may take a little while. Just the noticing, just the awareness. Oh, I'm not hungry and I'm eating. What emotion am I trying to deal with? Sometimes the emotion is bored. So it doesn't always have to be devastated or grief. It absolutely can. But sometimes it's something that's just a little uncomfortable like bored. Once you get good at noticing the feeling, non-hungry eating combo, you can start to see patterns. So you're just going to be aware. You're going to start to notice every time you're doing it. And then you're going to, a pattern will emerge. So something like Oreos are the answer to disappointment. Doritos fix frustration. Nuts help with boredom. If you notice every time you're, you grab the nuts and you weren't hungry and you can go back and look at the circumstances, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I was bored. Or, you know, I'm crunching these Doritos every time and I'm noticing that I just had this conversation with my annoying boss and it's frustration. Now, here's the great thing. First of all, isn't that amazing? If you discover that, OMG, that's absolutely fantastic. That pattern is your brain's secret language. You've just decoded your brain's signals. You now have the translation dictionary for the wiring in your head. You know, like a Spanish to English dictionary? This is a habit brain to conscious brain dictionary. You have become the translator. And so when your brain offers up the idea, oop, time for Oreos, because that's what happens, right? It's, it's sort of just like this sense. It's like your brain just, just comes up with this idea like, oh, I feel like having Oreos. It's time for Oreos. Now you start to know that that's your brain's way of saying, I need comfort. Or really what it's saying is I'm experiencing an uncomfortable feeling and therefore you need comfort. 
So you're experiencing an uncomfortable feeling and your brain automatically, the habit brain part goes, ooh, Oreos. Because it's like, oh, I know how to fix uncomfortable. Let's have Oreos. And so you'll just have this sense of, I need Oreos. But when we do this investigation, you'll start to be able to couple that idea, that thought that your brain offers up with an emotion or a a circumstance that leads to an emotion. Really, it's a thought that leads to emotion. And you can decode it. You can say, aha, I got you, brain. You want Oreos. Something is going on. And when you can translate that for yourself, you can give yourself what you actually need, which is some sort of comfort around that uncomfortable feeling. Really what we need is to acknowledge the feeling. But that could be like, you know, PhD level. Right now we're just talking about the fact that your brain is saying you need comfort. There's something uncomfortable going on and you want comfort. And what we want to do is change the comfort of food to a different comfort. So we're going to uncouple the wanting of Oreos for the uncomfortable emotion. We're just going to want to understand that we're experiencing an uncomfortable emotion. And uncomfortable emotions, there's many ways to deal with them. We can process them, but also we can comfort them. But we want to start comforting them without food. That's where the comfort list comes in. That's episode 10, my friends. So definitely go and listen to that. Creating a comfort list can be a really helpful way to continue to uncouple the food with the emotion. And I highly recommend a list. And so go listen to episode 10 because that will really help you with that piece. But this brain piece, this translation piece is so valuable. And remember, we get that from being aware of when we're eating when we're not hungry. We investigate what's going on. We look for patterns and we, we get to create a dictionary, a primitive brain to conscious thinking dictionary, a translation dictionary. And then you're on your way because if you're not emotionally eating, it's so much easier to lose weight. The overeating goes down dramatically and when we're just fueling our body with our meals, when we're hungry, stopping when we're satisfied. Won't it feel fantastic to not be compelled, right? It almost feels out of control when we have that feeling of I want Oreos. It feels like it can come out of nowhere, but it doesn't come out of nowhere. And we can start to look and to see where it comes from, why, and start to deliberately change the patterns and the wiring in our brain. You can do this. It may look a little messy, but we're okay with messy. We really are. Messy is okay. And really when I'm saying messy, I'm meaning not perfect. Because no one's perfect. Perfect is not real. So we're practicing this. We're doing this sort of all the time, just asking ourselves questions in a very compassionate way. So this is not uncomfortable. The process itself is not uncomfortable. And then we comfort ourselves without food. And then, like I said, PhD level, which is always really important, especially for maintaining weight loss, is going to be how we process emotions. I won't be talking to you about that soon. 
Let me know if you have any questions about this. This is such an important concept. I know you can do it. DM me on Instagram at stephaniefinemd.com. Let me know if you have questions or how this is going for you. I would love to know. You can always lose weight with me at stephaniefinemd.com. I am sending you so much love and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. If you follow, share, rate and review this podcast, you'll be helping it reach others just like you and making their journey with weight loss and fertility just a bit easier. Lighten their load. Share in your groups and social media. Thank you, fabulous. Fabulous.